0: Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. It's a word this morning. It's a word. Let me pray for us. Father God, we do come before you, and uh, we want to have faith to ask you to do things. And uh, some of us uh, have struggled to have faith recently uh, to ask you to do big things in our lives. Uh, We're scared maybe that you're not listening or you don't have power. Um, We just have lost touch with the fact that you're a God who speaks. And so we, we do pray this morning we would have faith to believe on you. To believe on you to be our Savior and Lord to be a rescuer, to believe on you to free us from bondage, to believe on you to save us from our sin, and so we do want to ask those things, Jesus, according to your name and power, Lord God, and I do want to ask today that uh, you would do something really special here in the South, that you would cut through all religious pretension this morning, that you'd cut right through it and you'd get at our hearts. I pray that for so many of us, it's so easy to fall into playing church and to doing a social club, and I just pray you'd cut on right through it like a calculated master surgeon get to our hearts and revive us. If there is apathy, we want to see life and joy and thankfulness and hope. If there's callousness, we want to be soft. I think about Ezekiel chapter 11, where it just says, you're going to put a new spirit in us. You're going to remove from us the heart of stone and put in us the heart of flesh. You're going to give us an undivided heart. Then we will follow your decrees and be careful to keep your laws. And you will be our God and we will be your people. And we just thank you that that promise is here now for us. So we just pray you do all those things. All God's kids said. Amen. 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 Um, so how many of you like going to the doctor? Okay. Some of you are medical professionals. I don't know if that counts. <clears throat> I do, because I am one. No, I don't know. Actually, well, I was walking out of an event. I was I was watch, walking out of an event uh recently, and as I was walking out, uh I don't One of our members, Dennis, asked me, she said, hey, when you gonna come see me? And uh, that's that's what's challenging about going to church with your doctors or dentists, you know what I'm saying? You can't hide. Complicated, complicated, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I was like, well, well, uh, my kids are coming. And she said, I know, I know they are coming. How about you? And I was like, you know, I'm gonna get in there. And, uh, but it's just funny, it's, I feel like there's a sentiment in, in culture oftentimes that we don't wanna go to the doctor, we don't wanna go to the dentist. And I think there's some legitimate reasons, like it can be associated with health disparities and mistreatment of minorities and lack of trust and things like that, all those are legitimate reasons. However, I think for many of us, the reason we don't wanna go to the doctor is because we don't want to be made aware of or to embrace sickness. We'd rather live in denial oftentimes than be made aware of the fact that we got a problem. So I got some bad news this morning. We got problems. But I got some good news. What our text says this morning is that Jesus is the soul's physician who has the ability to cure all of its diseases. And if we will embrace the terminal illness of the soul, which is sin, we will get the doctor, which is Christ. For our text says in 2.17, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. This is Jesus. So my question for you this morning is, will you embrace your spiritual sickness? that you might have fellowship with Jesus. Verse 13 of our text this morning. We're again, we're picking up in chapter two. We're in uh, a series of five controversies where Jesus' mission is coming into conflict with the spiritual elite of the day. This is the second encounter. Verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. This was common practice for Jesus. Not only did he teach in the synagogues and in the marketplaces and the places you would expect him to teach, but as he was going along, his disciples would be with him. Often crowds would form and he would be teaching on the go. It was common for him, even in his his illustrations that he would use, they would often be based on the surroundings and the culture of the day. And here what we get is an encounter that is also going to serve as a spiritual lesson, a deep truth about who Jesus is and why he's come. He's teaching them. In verse 14, as he walked along, he saw Levi. Everybody say Levi. Levi. Son of Alphaeus sitting at the tax collector's booth. The Roman tax uh, taxation system was a complex system. Typically Romans would be the ones who were, tax, who were taxing and collecting uh, specifically on poll tax and land tax, but they would hire locals to tax on transported goods. So these locals would be ethnic Jews in Israel, and these ethnic Jews would be the ones who would who would sit and they would collect from their t- taxes from their brothers or sisters who were coming in from other towns after they had purchased goods. This is Levi. Levi is this ethnic Jew. Typically, the Jews, though, weren't Torah conscious because it would have been against Jewish custom and rule for them to transact business with Gentiles. But nevertheless, Levi was doing this, an ethnic Jew, but not conscious of the Torah so much. So most likely he's in, outside of Capernaum and as his Jewish brothers and sisters would come back from neighboring towns with goods, he would have his, his pad and pen in hand and he would be exacting money from them based on what they purchased. But what he would do, what was common in that time is they would up what was actually required of the taxation so that they could line their own pockets and tax collectors were often very rich people. So What? they would have been typically seen as thieves and traitors to their people. You can think of uh, a mole in the Nazi or communist regime, or a snitch, but he was a snitch that everybody knew was a snitch because he was out there doing it in public. And you know what they say, snitches get? That's right. So, so, so what's the deal? What's the deal is he would have been seen as a social outcast. Honestly, it would have been very common in that day if you were a tax collector, you could not serve as a judge or a witness in the court. You also were often excluded from synagogue, and there was disgrace on your whole family if you was a tax collector. It's also reported that sometimes the touch of a tax collector would make the whole house unclean because he is a notorious known for his sin. This is Levi. Jesus sees him in a tax collector's booth, in public, open air, sinning. And what's the next thing Jesus says to him? Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. You see, earlier we saw Jesus touch a leper. And if you remember, a leper was a social outcast. And Jesus went right up to this, this leper and he touched him. Here we see Jesus call a tax collector who was a notorious sinner. Get this. The leper was an outcast due to a disease. The tax collector was an outcast due to a decision. Jesus calls and touches them both. That's the Jesus we have. He calls them to himself. He gets up and follows them. Note this. This is the squad that Jesus is picking. Jesus does not inherit a team he does not want to run. He does not get a staff. He does not want to manage. Instead, Jesus is intentionally picking his disciples. What we saw earlier in Mark is he picked two sets of fishermen, and now he picks a tax collector. So who is Jesus picking to himself? He's picking people who are on the fringe of social and religious sensibility or who sit squarely outside of it. This is who Jesus is picking to follow him. Who are you picking to come to your parties, to be your friend, to be in relationship with? This is who Jesus is picking. It's worth mentioning that Levi is also known as Matthew, who actually wrote the gospel accounts, the first book of our New Testament, Holy Scripture written by this notorious sinner. Follow me, Jesus says to him, and he gets up and follows him. Verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, that means he didn't just ask Levi to follow him. He started eating with him. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him, meaning it wasn't just him. It was a bunch of them and his disciples. For there were many who who followed him, meaning it wasn't a one-time thing. This was a regular occurrence. Get this. Not only does Jesus say, come follow me, but Jesus says, I won't come fellowship with you. But not only him, it was a whole host of him. But we find out that not only, this wasn't like a one-time occurrence, like once a year I do this charitable thing where I eat with sinners and tax collectors. No, no, no. This was Jesus' regular custom because it says many followed him. This is Jesus. And notice this. Jesus is not just sitting and hanging out with them eating. He's reclining at the table. One commentator said, if we read the English, it would be very simple to think that he was just eating at the table, but the Greek word, if you go look into it, is reclining. This was a position common to represent acceptance and fellowship and friendship. Literally, what they'd be is at the table. The table would be real low. He would have been on his elbow. His head would have been close. He would have been eating like this, and his feet would have been extended outward. So all these sinners and tax collectors are basically kind of just laying around together. Let me tell you what this shows. In Mark 2 1 through 12, Jesus pronounces forgiveness. In Mark 13 through 17, Jesus fellowships with the forgiven. So in 2, 1 through 12, he shows that he has authority as God and the Son of Man to declare forgiveness, and that forgiveness is true. He proves it through the healing. Jesus has authority over sin to pronounce forgiveness. But as we follow, we see not only does he want to pronounce forgiveness on our sins, but then he wants to come fellowship with us. Man, I wish I had somebody in here today who would tell me amen because I'm telling you this is good because this is what this means, that forgiveness is not just judicial, it's relational. That friendship is not just theological, it's personal. That, fringe, that forgiveness is not just objective, it's intimate. So, this is what it means today, that when you come in, Jesus don't want to just say, I forgive you for your sins. He don't want to just give you a get out of hell free card. He wants to give you a you can be in relationship with me card. That's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus doesn't want to just say, hey, get out of hell by the skin of your teeth. No, no, no. Jesus wants to say, I want to come live with you. I want you to follow me. I want you to be in relationship with me. I want you to have intimacy with me. I want you to talk to me all the time. I want you to know that I'm the best thing for you. I want to come recline at your table. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. Reclining with these people. They tax collectors and sinners. Other than Levi, I don't even give us their name. This is what they've been doing. And this is who Jesus is with. But then, verse 16, when the teachers of the law, oh, when the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Everybody say, oh, boy. It's those religious people again, you know what I'm saying? It's those church going, Sunday best dressing, looking all nice, morally, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's those people again. And what do they say? They look at Jesus, and they say, why are you doing that? You see, because for the religious elite of that time period, they had erected barriers that, that, that created distance between classes and groups, and when Jesus is chilling with his motley crew, what he's doing is, is he's hanging with, with people that were squarely outside of the social and religious norm of the day, and so he's ruffling all sorts of feathers. And so he actually is taking something that could have been kind of like a more implicit conflict and he's exasperating it into, the, into open air because what he's saying is this is my business, this is what I'm doing, this is who Jesus is hanging with. And here is the question in, in summary that the Pharisees are asking the disciples. How does this supposed holy man hang with these unholy people? How does this supposed holy man hang with these unholy people? And I believe this question is the question that the American church has been getting wrong for a very long time. Because we have answered that question often with, he can't and we can't. So we create private schools to protect our kids from sinners. We add extra biblical moral code to protect our sensibilities. And here's what I'm saying. I ain't saying private school's wrong or trying to move away from the lines wrong either. Those can be good things. But what I am saying is this, is if we are in, a, in an attempt to distance ourselves from, the, from sinning, many of us have left sinners behind. And if we've left sinners behind, we best be careful because they are at the center of our Savior's ministry. So, in leaving sinners behind, maybe we've let the save your behind. <laughs> no, Mr. Gregory. That's... <laughs> All right. He being questioned, question, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're facing him, misunderstanding him, asking his disciples. I mean, you even think about it. It's like they ain't even going to Jesus. They're going to his disciples. Jesus must have heard the question or he just must have been Jesus. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, look, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have come, I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners. Jesus says it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have come not to call the righteous but the sinners. You see, Jesus is indeed the soul's physician who, who has been tasked with the mission of curing his disease, which is Sin. And he says, this is why I have come. It's the mission statement on his website, the vision statement on his wall, the core values in which he lives by. This is the heart of what Jesus is doing. The Pharisees were there to enlighten the learned. Jesus came to save the lost. His coming down, descending into the human world, was for the purpose of deliverance. It is the guilty who need grace, the ungodly who need God. He's the load bearer, bearer, the sin carrier, the justifier of our wickedness and the savior of our souls. This is Jesus. He says, this is my mission. This is why I have come. This is my purpose. This is who I am. Family, are we ready to embrace our spiritual sickness that we might fellowship with Jesus? Don't worry. You're like, Pastor, you already talked through the whole text and we got lots of time left. I got lots of application for you today. I know y'all worry the sermon going to be too short. I will not leave anybody wanting you know I would never. I'm trying to get y'all fed, amen? Come on, right? Yeah, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. But I want you to hear the text. I wanted you to feel the text and just the way it reads. Because even at a simple glance, when you really read the entirety of the gospel accounts, but when you read the text, you see very squarely what Jesus has come to do. He's walking with his disciples and There's a dude in a a tax collector's booth minding his own business. Jesus says, You come follow me. Then he goes to his house. But when he goes to his house, he's dining with, reclining with all of these sinners and tax collectors. And our text tells us they followed him. Like these people were following him. The religious were offended. And instead of trying to pander to their offense, he doubles down and says, this is what I've come to do. So three things I want you to think about this morning. The first is this, is if we're not with sinners, we're not with Jesus. If we're not with sinners, we're not with Jesus. Jesus. You know, I think many in the American church, we've become in, incredibly gifted at in, uh, in inclusion and just doing churchy things. So most us, we do church on Sunday. We got BSF on Monday. We got Tuesday morning prayer on Tuesday. We got small group on Wednesday. And then maybe Thursday we watch a little bit of Netflix because, you know, you got to get that in there somewhere. But we, we just have excluded everybody and we're just wholly huddling. But here's the fear, is that in our attempt to holy huddle, we've actually left the holy one out of it because he be with sinners. It's as if the players have called a timeout and they are huddling and just talking about what to do, but the coach is on the field trying to play the game, and that's Jesus. And a lot of us, we've left Jesus for Christian morality, and we find more security there than we do with him and what he's doing. So here's the question I've been sitting on all week. And I want to invite you to do the same thing. It's just very simply this. Am I fellowshipping with sinners? Are you? You're you you chilling with them. They're your, your boys. You don't, like, is that, is that a part of your life? And I'm not talking about like a one-time thing, like, you know, you go to small group and it's like, all right, you know, pastor, ask the question, you know, we actually got this one guy and uh, we talk every other month. It's great. That's not what Jesus was doing. These people were following Jesus. He was integrated into their lives. I'm talking about intimate, close, regular fellowship. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Is that it? You know, Grace City Church, we like to throw parties. Lots of, lots of parties happening. People like to hang out. Who are you inviting to your parties? If you read Luke 14, you're supposed to be inviting people who don't invite us back. Like, is it the weak? Is it the social outcast? Is it the sinners? Like, is that how we party in? Is it like, you having your kid's birthday party and people are like, why is she here? You know, I think that was funny. Or does everybody expect everybody to be there who comes? Like, is it like, nah, you, like, like, does everybody know everybody? Like, that shouldn't be the case. Nobody should know everybody who comes because you, your life, you'd be integrated into your neighborhood or your workplace or the surrounding area even right here where we are as a church. Like, that's, that's how it should be. <clears throat> a couple of thoughts, though, still on this, this same application point. Because some of you, you're hearing me now, and you're like, praise Jesus, hallelujah, pastor said I should be in the clubs and should be at the bars. And you're like, what up? You know what I'm saying? You're like, you can't wait to go to group because you're going to be like, see, pastor done said and I'm going to get to do this. You know what say I'm saying? I'm going to live my life. I ain't really talking to you like that, just so you know. That ain't, it ain't for you like this. Why? Because people were surprised Jesus was there. Why were people surprised Jesus was there? People were surprised because he's so thoroughly identified as a child of God. Earlier, God had literally broken through. Heavens had been torn apart. The Father said, this is my son whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. And so Jesus was in this place chilling with sinners as a child of God. So if you in the bars and in the clubs as a child of God, you stay there and you do you, for real, like for real. You know, if everybody knows, man, this dude is a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what he doing, and here he having fun, but like he a Christian. And you see that, that's cool, but if it's an excuse to indulge in sin, that is not what we're talking about. You're welcome, community group leaders. <laughs> solves you, you a question, you know it was gonna come. You know what I'm saying? You know that was about to come. The w- wisdom. Wisdom, right? Like, you heard it said, like, good company, or sorry, bad company corrupts good character. You know, any of your mamas told you that? And uh, you should use wisdom in, in what we're talking about, right? Like, like, Jesus sent the disciples out in two. It's very good to go with community into these, these places and spaces. And as you integrate your life, community is, is important in the midst of that if you get rejected the bible says dust dust the dirt off your feet and go to, go to the next place but here's what you got to get Jesus earlier touch the leper, and the thing that would have been so outrageous and crazy is instead of Jesus becoming unclean, the leper becomes clean. Because with Jesus, he cleans the unclean thing, not the other way around. For many of us in the American church, we're so worried to become unclean that we don't go to unclean spaces. But what we need to understand is we have the power of the living God inside of us. We got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. We take our union with Christ wherever we go, so when we go to the place, we should be be big stepping right because we got Jesus and the Holy Spirit inside of us and through it there's the power to change lives. Last thing on this, I'll move to the next one, is um you're like well pastor like what if, I, what if I'm misunderstood? I'll say good. Jesus was too. One of the things we say a lot as a church is being misunderstood is not a good reason to not do something good. And I believe if we are living like Jesus, people won't be misunderstanding us. Now it's not an excuse to not explain, but like this is why I'm doing you can do that. But I'm telling you, if if no part of your life is confusing to the religious, it might be confusing to Jesus. <laughs> All right, next point of application. You're not too sick for Jesus. You're not too sick for Jesus. I don't know how you come in this morning. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your life is like, was like, will be like. I just want you to know this morning that you're not too sick for Jesus. And here's how I know it is because Jesus says says it. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. Jesus says about his mission, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. This is why Jesus has come. The doctor doesn't turn away a sick person. Often the more sick you are, the quicker the doctor would respond. The only person who might get turned away is the healthy person, for the doctor has nothing in his office for them. So if you come in and you go, I'm too sick. Chronic illness, social outcast, you're struggling with all sorts of stuff. I want you to know, you are not too sick for Jesus. Jesus. You, your sin might stank. Like, there might be people who know you. You're like, I don't even want to go to church here because I grew up in Charleston, and I was just wild and out. It might be substance abuse. You have abortion in your past, promiscuity in your present. I don't, know what, I don't know what's going on, but what I tell you is you're not too sick for Jesus. Gambling, money laundering. I don't know what it is. You're not too sick for Jesus. You read the Bible quick, you see this is who Jesus has come for. His mercy is more. Like when you understand you're in need, when you think you're not worthy, that is the best place to be. Cuz you right in Jesus' crosshairs. You 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 at the downflow of the gospel cuz that's where the gospel runs. It runs right into you. To call you home. And so I just want to tell you today's a great day to come home, isn't it, family? And today, a great day to come home. There ain't no day like the present. Today's a new day. His mercy is more. He's gracious and good. And today's a great day to come home. You don't need to run a minute longer, He wants you home. This is Jesus. My last point the healthy don't need a doctor. He says this to the religious elite because they would have referred to themselves as righteousness. You see, it's not how God would refer to them, but it is how they would refer to themselves. Truthfully, they were self-righteous. When you are self-righteous, the truth is, is you are delusional to the fact that your righteousness can't come from self but only from God. And so being self-righteous means you don't actually have righteousness from God because you're busy trying to get righteousness from self. Self Self-righteousness is a delusion because all we can give ourselves is sin. So we need to look to God as something else to give us righteousness. What Jesus says about the Pharisees in Matthew's gospel account is he says they are like whitewashed tombs with dead bones on the inside. In other words, you look good, but your inside is decaying. And I just wonder how many of us are right there this morning. We might look good, got our Sunday best on, but our inside is decaying. The illustration is like we're dead bones with tons of perfume sprayed on us. But let me just tell you something, that still stink. And that stank will reach the highest heaven. And God knows the truth. And the truth is, regardless of whether or not we want to identify with it or not, we are spiritually sick in need of the soul's physician. Because if we don't get the doctor, what we will see is our never. Is we will be struck with sin, so that our never dying soul is in decay and we will be separated for eternity because we were trusting in self rather than looking to the soul's doctor to heal us from ourself. So here's what I want to say. I want to end with this. I want to end by telling you a story from Luke 18. And I just want you to think of who you are. Which one are you? Jesus tells this parable in Luke 18 of two two men who come into the temple to pray. One looks the part, another one doesn't at all. One comes in, I mean, in, in a way he must have a Sunday best on because everyone expected him to be here. He was a Pharisee. But the other one was a notorious sinner. Jesus says he was a tax collector. They both come in to the synagogue to pray, and it says that the, the one who fit the bill, the, the Pharisee, he prayed like this. He offered a prayer of Thanksgiving. And his prayer went like, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like any of them, that, I, that I'm not a gambler, that I'm not an evildoer, that I'm not an adulterer, and that I'm not like these tax collectors. I even fast twice a week and give a tenth of what I have. It's like coming and saying, I even serve on Sunday. I'm doing good stuff, and, and everybody would even be able to identify it. Says so one man prays like this, the, the tax collector, though, Jesus says, stands at a distance. He can't even look up. He beats his chest, and he says a simple phrase, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus concludes the parable by saying, it was the tax collector." who went home justified that day. Grace City Church, who are we? Let me pray. Father God, we come before you now and we need you desperately. I just pray you'd make us aware of your need. I pray that our prayer lines would start filling up with people who know we're in need on a Sunday morning that our community groups would be full of people who are in desperate need, that our leaders would not just be looking to meet needs, but to have their needs met by the need meter. I pray, Jesus, that today you would make us a hungry group of people in desperate need of the Savior's touch. Please, Lord Jesus. And God, I just pray you would fill up this place with notorious sinners. That, that you'd fill up our homes, that our relationships would start to be integrated with people who, who would self-identify as weak and struggling. That, that our church would start partying different. But God, most of all, we do want to ask that we see some people go from death to life today. People who want to come to you and lay their burdens down. People who know that they have a friend in Jesus because Jesus saw them in that tax collector's booth and said, come follow me. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website,